So tonight we're, we're continuing onward through the epistles. So we talked two weeks ago about what an epistle is. Anybody just want to give us a quick refresher? When I say epistle, what do I mean? A letter, a letter yeah. So we're in the New Testament. We're talking um, Romans through Jude as the thir- not 13. Oh, goodness. 16 epistles? We can, we can double-check that later if we want to. Um, and last time we said the epistles do two things. They explain the kingdom, and they also give the ethics of the kingdom. Or they get an, give an explanation of the gospel, and then they apply the gospel to daily life. So um, this, this week we're going to talk about the ethics, how we behave rightly and righteously or how we apply the gospel. Not just something we believe up there, but it actually touches down into our real life. And there, because Jesus is king, there's a way that we should live in his kingdom. So it's answering, what's it look like to live in the citizen of G, in the king, as a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, right? Because we've been redeemed by Christ, how do we now live for Christ? And this is super linked with the teaching in the epistles. It's not like, all right, part A, Okay, close that box, put it up on the shelf, now grab part B. Um, But Titus does this super clearly. Um, In Titus chapter 2, Timothy tells Titus, pastor, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then he says, he starts giving a list of what to teach that accords with sound doctrine. Right? He says things like, Older men are going to be sober-minded, dignified, controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Likewise, younger men should be self-controlled. Over self-controlled. Older women should do this. Younger women should do this. And it's all of these behaviors, he says, is what accords with sound doctrine. Right? It's not just teach what accords with sound doctrine. You know about the Bible, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about the church, about justification. It's how we behave is linked to to what we believe. But it's not even just broadly, right? Because it's easy to say, okay, if you want to be a Christian, then you need to, you know, not lie, not cheat, don't steal, don't have sex, and you're good. Like, that's not what the Bible does. Or it's not even so much a, because Jesus saved you and you are a Christian, now, you know, obey your parents, you know, work hard in school and be honest, you know, because Jesus saved you, do this. But rather, it, the Bible links Jesus' salvation with our actions super duper tightly. So let me show you specifically what I mean, and then we're going to kind of zoom out for the rest of the time and just talk big picture about books of the New Testament. So what I want to show you is that the actions the behavior, the righteous living, the holiness, whatever you want to call it, the ethics that the Bible gives is linked to the fact that Jesus bled and died and rose again for his people. So uh, we got 1 Peter 1, 14 through 19. Somebody want to read this for me? Yeah. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the fashions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, 
you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like the lamb, uh, like that of a lamb, without blemish or spot. All right. Thanks. All right. So, so the theme of this text, right? If you want to summarize what's it telling us to do, I would say Peter wants the readers to be holy, to live in a way that doesn't reflect their their unbelieving background, but to live in a way that reflects godliness, that reflects God. That's what it means to be holy. And it gives two, two reasons to be holy. What's the first one? Yeah, be holy because God is holy, right? You shall be holy for I am holy. So there's one, right? God's holy. You're called to be like God. Therefore, be like God. That's what holiness is. Be holy. Um, I'm going to say a lot about that at FDN next week, so I'm not going to say much about it tonight. And the second reason is Jesus died to make you holy, right? Because if you start in... um, Verse 17, and if you call on him who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves, that's your actions, with fear throughout the time of your exile, just living on earth, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways, your futile conduct inherited from your forefathers, and you weren't ransomed with things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So what what Peter's getting at here is, yes, be holy because God's holy, but more than that, right, you want to conduct yourselves in a holy way because you were ransomed from conducting yourselves in a unholy way. That's why it talks about the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, the way that you're, you know, your idol-worshiping mama and dada told you to act. No, that's not how we are. Now we act like God, our Father, as obedient children. So because we were ransomed, what does ransom mean? Anybody know that word? Ransom is when some, you were imprisoned at some pace for your release. Yeah, you were imprisoned to your sins, and someone paid for your freedom, and... Who paid? Jesus. Not with silver or gold, but with his very own blood, right? Precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus' blood paid for you to not live in sins, but live in holiness, right? Jesus' blood doesn't just forgive you for your sins, though that's true and that's glorious. It also pays so that you will be transformed and not live in sin, but live in holiness, right? Jesus paid for your obedience with his blood, and he's going to get what he paid for. The sign of being a Christian is that the gospel takes root and it develops this holy living like God is holy. It's a direct effect of the cross, right? It's not believe in Jesus, and then maybe if you get around to it, you can be holy, but it's, it's not that big of a deal. No, the cross exists. Jesus died to forgive you of unholy, unholiness, and to make you holy. Wait, are we cool so far? Making sense? All right, so what does this look like in real life then? 
Um, if you had to describe Christian ethics, how a Christian should act and behave and what he should do, in as few words as possible, how would you describe Christian ethics? Chloe? Forgiving. Forgiving? Okay. Live like Jesus? Be holy? Yeah, that's great. I mean, it was just up there. Okay. Anything else? Yeah? Love. That's what I'm looking for right there. At least, I mean, these are all super valid answers. But when I said as short as possible, I'm like four letters. I don't think we can get much shorter than love. Which it's, it's not surprised, right? Because when people come up to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, what's the most important thing for a person to do? What's the most important commandment? What does he say? Yeah. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I'm sorry if it's high. It sounds like a helicopter. You know, you know that it's loud in here when that's on. Um, so so the, the life of a Christian is a life of love. Let me, let me break this down throughout the New Testament, right? You have love for God, worship rightly, and your belief in any practice, and your love for your neighbor, which... These are my categories. I don't know if they're the best. In your home, in the church, and in your personal life. We love because he loved us. So we're just going to walk through how this looks and how we see it in the, yeah, in the epistles. We're doing great. So right belief. Um, the Bible teaches us to love God, right? That's, that's not surprising. Um, and one way that we love God is by loving God as he reveals himself. The Bible's given so that we would know God. And so you have books like Hebrews, right? Anybody read Hebrews recently? Love Hebrews. Um, it teaches all about how Jesus and the Old Testament work together, right? You have sacrifices. We don't have sacrifices anymore. Why not? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the sacrifices. You used to have a temple. Now we don't. Is that a problem? No, it's not. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the temple. Um, and Hebrews teaches to leave Jesus and go back to Judaism is to leave your salvation. So we want to love God by believing rightly. Or Second um, John, super duper short letter, says... False teachers are coming. So we need to watch out for them. Like, they're going to try and convince you not to love God because they're presenting a God who isn't actually God. Um, Third John, walk in the truth and reject evil. And Jude, I mean, these three are super short books. They're just one chapter each. Fight for the faith because there's false teachers in your church, Jude. So, so you need to make sure you're not listening to them, but you're loving God rightly. Um, but it's not just believe it, you know, in your mind. It's also in the way that you worship. So it's like, let's go to Colossians 2, 16 through 23. Go ahead and turn there. Anybody need the Bible? Yeah, let me. 
Uh, Colossians 2, 16 through 23. So we got Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you hit the T's, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, you got too far. And somebody read uh, Colossians 2, why don't you go 16 through 19, that first paragraph. Go ahead, Chloe. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in the questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are, these are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one dis, disqualify you, insisting of asceticism, asceticism and worship of angels, going on the detail about visions. Uh, without reason by the sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom sorry, the whole body nourished and knit together yeah, through its joints and ligaments grow with a growth that is from God. All right. So the, the issue in Colossae where the book of Colossians is written to is there's people saying like so you're a Christian and you're just like living your life. You work your job, you eat your food, you have, you know, a family and you play baseball with your kids in the backyard. Like what's going on there? Um, because if you're really religious, you're not going to eat certain foods. You're not going to drink certain drinks. You should definitely be observing the Sabbath every Saturday. And instead of raking leaves in your yard, you should be worshiping. Um, you should be celebrating the new moons and the full moons and all of those. But, but Paul says, no, 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 no. Like, you don't get it. That's not how we worship Jesus. It's not through what we do to be right with him. Um, rather, we worship in spirit and in truth. And God gives us good gifts to enjoy. So we worship God by enjoying his gifts, not as a, you know, Take the gift, reject the giver, but love the giver by loving his gifts. In fact, if you um, look at verse 20, he, he connects us right to where we are in, in the gospel as Christians. He says, if with Christ you died, we were crucified with Christ. If, you, if in Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you were still alive to the world, do you submit to the regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they're used. According to human precepts and teaching, these have an appearance of wisdom. Yeah, if you do that, you're going to look super holy. Um, but it promotes self-made religion and aestheticism, giving up good things and severity to the body. But there's no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Saying like, you can give up everything you want. It's not going to make you right with God. It will make you look holy. Your friends will be impressed. 
but your sin, your pride, your selfishness, it's still there. It's still running strong. So don't just give up things for the sake of looking good. That's not how we worship God. First uh, Timothy 4 tells us that God gives everything to be received with thanksgiving. And so the right worship of God is one of the ways that we love God, which is great, right? Because I like a faith, a religion that's like, hey, why don't you pursue happiness in Jesus instead of just not eating, doing, touching, participating in? Like that, there's, there's freedom there where self-made religion does not. Um, you also have some rejection of pagan practices. We could go like Galatians 4, 1 Corinthians 10 there, um, which talk a lot about sexual righteousness, sexual integrity, because a lot of the false worship of the day, they, she just had fun time. You know, there was sexual practices involved in worshiping false gods. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. That's for marriage, not for church. Keep it out of there. Um, so we, we worship God by, by worshiping rightly, by believing rightly, and that's how we love God. We good? We cool? Happy to move on? All right. We also love our neighbors. Um, all throughout the Bible, we're in Colossians, right? You're still there? You have a lot of like these household codes. So in Ephesians, I'm sorry, Colossians 3, um, yeah, there, there's these rules of, okay, so how does a household work? God cares how that family works. So look at Colossians 3, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, this is 22, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. All right. So we have a couple categories. We have husbands and wives. You have parents, fathers, really. We're going to call that fathers. And children. You have slaves and masters. Um, so what's, a, what's it called a husband's? Let's have a guy, you know, tell me, what, how, does, how does God want husbands to act towards their wives? Yeah. Loving with respect. Yeah, um, right? Verse 19. So loving and what else in verse 19? And not harsh. Yeah, Gentle. And wives, let's go to the front row here. How should wives respond to their husbands? Respect. Yeah, with respect. And it's technically Ephesians, but it totally fits. Um, and what else in verse 18? Submit to 
submitting. So, I mean, in our house, we constantly have the conversation with Ella of who makes the rules, Ella or Daddy and Mommy? Daddy and Mommy, right? There, there's an order to things. And so, so, so Paul says, God says, in the house, husbands lead, wives submit. Is that fair to wives? Like, their husbands are just going to be mean and tell them what to do all the time? No, because the husbands are commanded to be loving and not harsh. Somebody loves you and wants what's best for you and they're gentle with you, you're like, of course you want to submit and respect that. Um, similarly, right, fathers and children. This is kind of all of you. Uh, so children, what's that? Uh, anyone, I don't care. Anyone under 18. What's, what's the call for you guys in regards to your parents? Obey. Them. Obey. Even if I'm a Big old nasty jerk. Yeah, but should I be a big old nasty jerk? What's it called? The fathers. Don't yeah, don't provoke. Hey, get up. Hey, go get me something to drink. Oh, you're back. Go get me chips too. Hey, I lost the remote. Go turn off the TV. No, like that's not the call to fathers. It's to love and to lead and to sacrifice. Um, don't provoke them in a way that would lead them to be discouraged. There's a call for fathers to be kind and gentle and loving and children to obey. There, there's order here. Um, what about slaves and masters? Slaves could have been, So when you think slavery, think less about American slavery. We took slavery and made it way worse and way more sinful. Um, but, I mean, slavery in the Bible still isn't a good thing. Uh, over in Philemon, Paul says, hey, if you can be free, be free. That, that's a good thing to have freedom. Um, but, well, the sermon this morning, right? Joseph is a slave, and he's the most powerful person in Egypt. Um, some, I've heard it described, I don't know if this is the perfect analogy, but consider like a professional baseball player, right? You sign on to the tigers, and you say, I'm going to commit my life to you for these next four years, whatever your contract is, and now you're my master. You can control, you know, how much I make, what I eat, when I practice, how I present myself in public. Like, you have complete control over my life, and then after four years, I'm free. Maybe I'll stay. Maybe I'll go, um, but it's a you know, a life-controlling contract, but just kind of the way we want to think about it. Um, but also, it's still slavery. It's not a good thing, right? It's not like being a professional athlete. Um, that's beside the point. What's it called, slaves? Bond servants in 22. Obey, yeah. And what about to masters? That's going to be 4-1. Right? Don't mistreat them. Like, just because they're forced to obey, that doesn't mean you take advantage of people. Be fair. Be gentle. Be just. Knowing, like, hey, if you're, you have a master in heaven, like, you don't want to sin against this person and receive the wrath of God for it. So, <clears throat> when it comes to, okay, so how should Christians live? Well, there, there's order. There's ways that we obey. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, for you guys, is, is, uh, 
Is this easy, right? Obey your parents? Well, pretty easy. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes it's not, right? It depends on what they're asking you to do. And it's a, it's a big sacrifice, right? I mean, on the other side of things, it's not always easy to be gentle and sacrificial and not provoke, or to be loving and gentle and not harsh. Like, those don't come easy. Those don't come natural to people. But we're not doing what's natural. We're doing what Jesus died for and empowers us. Um, so we have this category of home life. We talk about church life, too. Um, it's hot. I'm turning this back on. I'll just be loud if I need to. Um, so especially like the pastoral epistles, that'd be 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. They were all written to pastors. Um, there's this, this theme of how do we operate in the church, right? So Pastor Jeff's been teaching through 1 Timothy four and five for the last couple months and there's this theme of we honor people right why do we honor people because god honors people so older women widows honor them older men honor them pastors honor them we show honor where honor is due we say like okay so who should be a pastor who should be a deacon we have first timothy three um telling us those things. What should the focus be in the church? And, and I mean, the Bible tells us what the focus should be. It should be on teaching Christ so people are matured in him. Or uh, the Corinthian letters. Corinth was a messed up church. They write Paul a bunch of letters say, here's our problems. Can you help us here? Um, and he writes back, sometimes like, hey, keep doing what you're doing. But usually it's like, you got this completely messed up. And so 1 Corinthians, it's all about how to act within the body of the church. So you have like, okay, how do we deal with sin in the church? You need to get the, get the sin out of the church. If they're not acting like a believer, they're probably not a believer. What about unity in the church? You should be unified. If, let's say you're taking the Lord's Supper and you're having a full meal for it. If some people are coming early, they're getting drunk on the communion wine and they're just eating, and then poor people show up later and there's no food for them and they're gonna starve, like, that's not how we love our neighbors. Let's, let's come together as one body. What about spiritual gifts? Like, this guy can preach and she can speak in tongues. Are they better than everyone else? Paul's like, those are great gifts. But no, they should love people. Anybody familiar with 1 Corinthians 13? You know that chapter? Have you ever been to a wedding? Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast. Like That chapter is written in this argument of when you have spiritual gifts, when some people are speaking in tongues and some people are prophesying and other people are like, I just have mercy and I like to help load moving trucks for people. Like, are they better than me? It's like, no. The thing that you should most focus on is love. Um, and then 2 Corinthians is all about how do you care for people? How do you comfort people that are afflicted? How do you provide for people that don't have money? Um, how do we live a life of love in the church? And then lastly here, um, what about our personal life, right? How, do, how does this work? James is all about 
how do I speak and how do I live? Right? James talks, you know, what, James chapter, why don't we just go to James chapter 3? Hebrew, James, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and then all the Johns. James chapter 3, verse 2 through 12. And somebody's going to read it once they get there. Yeah, go for it. James 3, 2 through 12. So, I mean, James just gives us picture after picture of how difficult it is to love people in the way that we speak. Um, has anybody ever hurt somebody by the things they said to them? We can, we can definitely show our hands here. Like, it's all of us. We feel this. The tongue, he says, it's, it's a little spark that starts a forest fire. It's a little rudder that controls a massive ship. It's a little bridle in the horse's mouth that controls a two-ton animal one horsepower animal it's a what we we can tame every creature under heaven you can go to sea world and like a killer whale is doing backflips for little fish but like for some reason we can't tame our tongues it's really hard to love people with the words that we speak but but that's what the call is right we're called to love our neighbor and our words and the things that we desire um romans 12 and 13 i'm not gonna read it but it's interesting right if you think of romans you think teaching right two weeks ago there's lots of information in romans that that difficult text of jesus died to show that god is truly righteous and not just a sweep it under the rug i can't trust you kind of guy like that heady deep dense stuff is in romans but then he says okay because all of this is true, present yourselves as a holy living sacrifice to God 
And that's going to look like loving people. It means you love the fellow members of your church um, by being humble. It means that you honor people. It means you bless those who persecute you and love your enemies. It means you submit to authorities um, in the government. It means that you fulfill the law by loving your neighbors. It means we don't judge people just because maybe they're wrong and we're right. We can correct them, but we don't judge how stupid they are. We don't flaunt things that would make other people sin. All because Jesus suffered and died for us, so we suffer and you know die to our desires to love other people. That's how the book of Romans ends. So there's this love of neighbor that comes because of the, the love of Christ for us. Um, so let me, let me just sum it up with one, two verses, I guess. How we act is related to who we are in Jesus, right? Somebody said, if you're going to describe Christian ethics, you're going to call it, be like Jesus. Who said that? That's Max. Like, th yeah, that's, that's the call, right? Be like Jesus because through the gospel, you're in Jesus. Everything that Jesus is, you are by being connected and linked to him. So Ephesians 5 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant, 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 that's the word, offering and sacrifice to God, right? So we're, we're striving to be people who walk in love, both to God and to neighbor. Why? Because Jesus loved us and he gave himself up for us. It's a gospel-motivated behavior. And like, listen, was it, who said, Strive to be holy. Try to be holy. Is that Owen? He said, you know, Christianity, like the, the action says that we try to be holy. Is that what you said in the beginning? Maybe not. Somebody did. Yeah. Try to live like Jesus. Try to live like Jesus. Yeah, like we're never going to be perfect in it, but that doesn't mean give up. That doesn't mean stop, you know. We sin, we repent. We trust that Christ will forgive us because of things we've been taught in the gospel and we carry forward. And this goes until we die or when Jesus comes back and wraps up everything. Um, and actually that's where we're going next week. We're ending early, fantastic. Um, we're gonna talk about the book of Revelation and how Jesus wraps up all of human history. Um, well, that's not next week. Well, we can do schedule in a minute. Um, but, Right now, we press onward to be loving people because Christ loved us. You guys have questions? You guys have thoughts? I tried to go really high level and not get bogged down in the details, but details matter. You guys have thoughts, questions, anything I can help with?